The way we consume media is constantly changing, and these changes have a profound impact on advertising and marketing. Launched in 2010, PwC's Entertainment and Media Outlook Report has become a globally recognized and probably one of the most referenced sources for insights on media trends. In this episode, PwC South Africa's entertainment and media partner, Charles Stewart, unpacks some of the latest findings from the report. We talk about some of the key changes over the past 13 years, the rise of streaming, the rapid decline of broadcast and print media in Nigeria, South Africa, and Kenya. If I was sitting as agencies, I would say, you know, from an advertising perspective, how do I look at my consumer and how do I understand the various touch points that that consumer has? We also discuss changes that are driving growth in advertising spend, media consumption, and the consumer landscape. Kenya has the fastest internet advertising growth rate out of any of the territories. So the 53 countries that we look at in terms of our global entertainment and media outlook, Kenya has the fastest internet advertising growth rate, right? For more insights, subscribe to The Lead Creative and share this episode with your network. Welcome to The Lead Creative Podcast, where we talk to creative industry leaders, influencers, and brands. We discuss the strategies that influence brand thinking and shape industries. Thought leaders and heads of agencies let us in on some of their thinking and insights. I'm your host, Mongi Simtati. Enjoy the show and please share and subscribe. Charles, thanks so much for making the time to talk to us about um, the recently released report, which we'll unpack in a bit. Um, But before we do, I think it's very important to note that it's a very different world today than 13 years ago when when the Africa Entertainment and Media Outlook report was first launched. Absolutely. Mugizi, yeah, I'm great to to be with you here today. So thanks thanks for the invitation. Um, The world has certainly changed. Um, I've been involved with the report since it launched um, back in 2010. And for me, I think the biggest thing is that we've seen that the trends are pretty much in line with what we've been sort of expecting over time. But for me, it's the, it's the pace of change, which is really, you know, things that we had expected to sort of decline. You know, if we look at things, you know, like the print, like the print industry, for example, under a bit of pressure, uh, but the rate of decline within, you know, within the print space, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's happened a bit faster, you know, than we actually thought it was, you know, than we thought it was going to. That being said, though, it's, uh, it certainly hasn't disappeared from the landscape, right? I think that's the other thing, you know, we had a few questions a few years back around, well, is TV still going to be around in a few years, you know, because streaming's here now, right? So yeah, surely, yeah. surely TV, you know, is that still going to be relevant? Are people still going to be watching it? Is there still going to be space for TV advertising? Um, and again, we've seen that those that those call them more traditional, you know, areas are still there because people do still enjoy a particular experience, um, you know, a lean back experience in terms of watching TV, etc. Um, and so those those are there, but the pace of change um, has certainly been very rapid compared to where we were, you know, thirteen odd years ago. So it's been very interesting, and it's interesting to see where you know what we had predicted at that point and where we are now. Um, that wave of digitization has been. Very, very fast. Mm-hmm. I know you've I know you've mentioned a lot of the traditional media um, spaces like print and broadcast, and we'll unpack these a bit more as we go. What are some of the other changes or, or really big things that you've seen over the past thirteen years of doing the reports that are first of all, I suppose, unique to 
the three African markets that the report highlights quite a bit, which is South Africa, Kenya, and Nigeria, in comparison to the rest of the world? So we have an interesting dynamic in terms of our African markets here that um, whilst we see a lot of the trends that come through globally, we don't necessarily um, see them to the full extent sometimes in terms of the spend, just because when we look at the makeup of our market, right, globally, it's roughly about a third, a third, a third, right? Um, and when we look at our, our spend within the entertainment and media um, outlook, we track both consumer and advertising spend, but within consumer spend, there's obviously an element of internet access, right? And there may be some discussion around, well, should internet access be in there? Is that not more sort of telcos? But if one doesn't understand what's happening in an internet access space, you certainly can't understand what's happening in the entertainment and media space. So globally, those are roughly about a third, a third, a third, right, between those between those those three elements. Um, in South Africa and in Nigeria and Kenya, the other two markets that we look at from an Africa, uh, from an Africa perspective, that internet access is a much larger part of the pie, right, because obviously with lower levels of disposable income, more people are spending more of their money on, you know, gaining access to the digital content, which then means that there isn't necessarily as much, you know, money to be able to spend on the content itself, right? So we see that a lot of people are, you know, gaining access. And, you know, that's why within the African markets, it's also a case, well, how, how are you able to be nimble and creative around how you can still deliver that content um, at a lower price point um, and maybe then be supplementing through, you know, ad support or, you know, various other revenue streams as opposed to maybe what you might see more, you know, more mature markets in terms of subscription-based revenue. So, and, 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 and just to expand a little bit further on that, so the one big sort of tipping point that we've seen globally this year um, and what is forecast to happen by 2027 is that advertising spend globally is currently sitting in third place, just marginally behind, right? Like 33, 33, and 34% or whatever. But by 2027, advertising is actually going to become the largest segment globally, right? So in the next five years, it's going to leapfrog from third to first place. And that's really, I think, when we think about what we've seen in the market, 18 months ago, you didn't have an ad-supported tier Netflix, right? And now you do, right? They've launched the ad-supported Netflix tiers across a number of markets globally. And that's because, you know, cost of living crisis, um, you know, there's a bit of pressure, obviously, in the, you know, historically, um, you know, subscription-based model that now, you know, businesses are having to pivot to say, well, where else can we continue to find revenue, given that maybe some of our previous revenue streams, you know, have maybe stagnated a bit. So we are seeing those things come through um, in the African market as well. But as we say, not necessarily always to the same sort of you know, degree or pace that we've seen globally, because we do have some you know, inherent limitations in terms of how much money people have to necessarily spend you know, on, the, you know, on, the content, on the content side. Yeah, and I, and I suppose there's also the, 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 the greater reliance on mobile devices in, in all three of these markets in comparison to call it the global world or, or other or other markets that you look at as well. Absolutely. So we are we are a mobile first, you know, continent. Um, to the extent that we've also seen in some of the areas that we've leapfrogged, you know, some of the some of the elements, you know, or some of the aspects that we've seen uh, come through the development stage, you know, globally, we've actually sort of gone straight into, you know, the mobile mobile space, right? So we're never going to get to a cable TV type, you know, situation here because you know, one, obviously, we've got infrastructure challenges in terms of actually getting that cabling, as we've sort of seen a little bit in terms of our fiber fiber rollout, whilst, whilst that can happen in South Africa, um, you know, with, you know, it's like a more advanced um, infrastructure base to work off. When you're looking then into other African territories, you know, it's just not a feasible option. So, you know, hence then into your satellite, 
hence into your, you know, your sort of cellular distributed, you know, platform that becomes a lot more prevalent. So for many people, it's also reality that the mobile phone is the device that they have, right? And they'll invest in a, in a very, you know, smart, um, you know, competent and, you know, technologically advanced mobile device because that is actually for them, it's their TV screen, it's their phone, um, it's their computing device, right? For many people within Africa, that is what they, that is what they rely on. Um, there may be a TV in the household um, and it may be watched by many people as well. But for many of the people, particularly in respect of um, in respect of digital consumption, that mobile device is what they is what they consume. So we've spoken a bit about what ha- what you know what sort of happened in the past and the rapid decline of of media in in terms of what you've expected and where we are today. What are some of the key sort of summary findings in twenty twenty three, looking ahead to twenty twenty seven? that you can that that I think we can start off with or that come to mind first because I want to unpack specific ones, but what are some of the key or, or the big ones that kind of come to mind for you? Absolutely. Um so it is going to be digital that is going to be obviously driving the growth, right? Um so when we look at the South African market, we are going to add around fifty four billion rands worth of spend from twenty twenty two, which was the last sort of actual so over the forecast period, which runs through to 2027, there's going to be about 54 billion rands worth of spend that's going to be added. Uh, around 33 billion of that will be added in the internet access space, and about 10 billion of that will be added in internet advertising. And then there's a fairly um, sort of even split between um, OTT, um, TV, which is still, you know, there is still some growth within the, within the pay TV space, um, video games, and that's primarily in that casual and social gaming space. Um, and then also in the music, you know, in the music space, um, and that's obviously the resurgence of live music, uh, as well as the continued strong growth that we see in the music streaming streaming space. So those are really the big the big elements. But when one looks at that, video games, OTT, music streaming, um, you know, out of that fifty four billion and those numbers that I've just quoted, yeah, you see yeah. the vast vast mm-hmm. majority is obviously happening in that you know in that digital space. So, so I think uh, what, what, what I'm getting a sense of is that I think the biggest thing now, 13 years into the report, is that one of the key areas that, that, are, that is sort of influencing spend, influencing change, influencing media consumption is digital and internet access more than it was in 2010 when we were just kind of trying to figure out where digital was going. Certainly. So there's an interesting um, story that I always like to talk about, you know, when we think about this as well. So I think it was back in about our 2017, 2018 um, outlook that we had looked at right at that point. And I mean, you'll remember this, you know, being in that space, a digital download right, that you could now have somebody's song, you know, download at your phone. That was quite exciting, you know, at that point, right? And it was growing, it was growing very rapidly. The fastest declining segment within the whole entertainment and media outlook at the moment is digital downloads, right? So it sort of seems a little bit counterintuitive, right? Because initially when people got to the stage, they thought, well, if I've got a digital solution, it sort of feels like I'm made because, you know, the world is moving digital and I've got a digital solution and everything should be good. But consumers, and I think this is the point that I wanted to make, right, is we are seeing consumers will constantly evaluate the business model that that digital content reaches them by, and you've now got within the space of the digital downloads, well, you had a far more attractive, far more um, 
you know, comprehensive business um, business model that actually arrived in terms of streaming, right? That now you're moving away from, from ownership to access. You're gaining access to a far broader um, suite of, um, you know, of digital content. And so the digital downloads is really dying because it's simply just not as attractive a proposition as as your streaming option is. Um, so, so that... If, if I were to think about what's sort of driven that key sort of movement, you know, within the digital space, a lot of that is around from ownership to access, right? And people now being able to access this plethora of digital content, which they haven't historically. And it's a virtuous circle, right? So we also saw that we saw players like Amazon, right? Alibaba uh, emerge as significant internet advertising players, particularly during COVID. Why? because everybody moved online to buy things while we were sitting in the states of lockdown. And as you move more people online, you can imagine the ability to maybe track some direct, you know, correlation between an advertisement and somebody actually now going to purchase, you know, on the Amazon site at that point, that became, that became very attractive. Yeah. It increased. Yeah. It increased quite a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and now because you have more people online, so you get more stuff that comes online and as more stuff comes online, well then obviously, you know, you just continue to see this growth, which is, which is why we see that, you know, very strong growth from an internet advertising perspective as well. If you're enjoying The Lead Creative, please share this episode with your network and hit follow or subscribe. Enjoy the show. You mentioned the decline of uh, print and broadcast media and the rate of decline, which is sort of unexpected in comparison to what to what uh, the report was showing when 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 it was first launched. Looking at this decline now, what changes have you seen in advertising spend, and what are some of the predictions that come that come as a result of the research? Looking towards the future in terms of just what's how spend is going to change there in the sort of mid you know sort of short to midterm. Um, as we look forward, because I know you mentioned the results or at least the predictions for 2027, but how is are things changing in the next year, the next two years leading up to 2027 in terms of advertising spend on these platforms? So we don't forecast that there's going to be any real sort of, you know, change in terms of the decline that we're seeing, you know, from a print perspective. And when we talk about print, obviously, that's in two areas. It's obviously one in terms of the actual sort of circulation, right? Simply because people are obviously getting, you know, getting their news, um, you know, or magazine content, you know, elsewhere, um, unless you've got something which is very specialist, right? Um, and when you look, the ability to still monetize that specialist investigative type stuff is still there, right? I mean, when you look at... Um, you know, when you look at News24, the stuff that you can get for free is the general news and the stuff which sits behind the News24 payroll, you know, paywall is the stuff which is around their investigative, you know, more, you know, sort of specialist type reporting, which people attach obviously that additional value to, right? Um, and so from, a, so, from a, so from an advertising perspective, certainly at the moment, um, in the newspaper space, we are not seeing that that from a from a newspaper print advertising perspective, your digital advertising is going to be sufficient to be able to replace the decline that we're seeing from a print perspective. Digital advertising is growing, but it's not growing fast enough to actually to actually replace that. Um, on consumer magazines, we see an interesting uh, tipping point in 2027. So in 2027, 
we see that digital advertising spend is actually going to overtake your print advertising spend in consumer magazines for the first time. However, when you look at the size of the market, at that point, the market is going to be just over a billion rand. And back in 2018, it was 1.5 billion rand. So you can see the overall decline that you see from an advertising perspective within that space. Why? Because, you know, the users that are now accessing some of that digital content, they can also be targeted, obviously, via, you know, your other sort of online, you know, online uh, digital advertising. So, so, yeah, so those are not going to, those are not going to change. However, I just want to make the point that, you know, there is still significant, you know, when one looks at the second largest advertising category after internet advertising, it's still TV advertising, right? Why? Because TV is still very relevant for us in our lives, right? So to my earlier point around, well, is TV dead? Certainly not. Um, people enjoy that lean back. They enjoy the community aspect. Yes, they may be accessing the normal sort of TV screen and looking at other content on a second screen and maybe even some further content on a third screen. But the TV is still part of, you know, their day-to-day life. And that's why we still see, you know, some growth even, you know, in the, you know, in the TV consumption spend. So if I was sitting as agencies, I would say, you know, from an advertising perspective, how do I look at my consumer and how do I understand the various touch points that that consumer has, right? Because I think we've also, I think from an advertising perspective, we've also got swept up sometimes to say, well, my consumers are just doing everything in the digital space, so I'm only going to advertise in the digital space. And that's also not true, right? Um, there's still value in radio. There's value in billboards. There's value in TV. So how do you look at that ecosystem of touch points that you have with the consumer um, taking into account that yes, there is a shifting in you know in behaviours, but how do you still make sure that you have that you know those continued touch points in the various aspects that you know that the consumer interacts in, and how do you then leverage the technology, right? So you've also got billboards, you've got smart billboards now, right? We've got you know NFT type you know technology, and where you can now interact with that consumer as they actually engage with your billboard, right? So it's not giving up on the billboard but maybe having a slightly different approach to how you actually interact with the consumer as they consume their content in that advertising model. Yeah, just something that that I that I want us to kind of unpack more in terms of this <clears throat> in terms of this decline and the changes that are happening in the print uh, and broadcast space. Are you how are the th- sort of three African markets different? South Africa, Kenya and Nigeria in terms of they are I suppose you mentioned access one, their access to some of the media that they consume and also how is this decline in, call it, traditional media different across these markets? Because that also affects, as opposed to advertising and marketing and, and where budget goes. Absolutely. So, I mean, the first thing, one of the things that we look at, you know, in terms of our outlook is obviously the the level of um, connectivity within the markets, right? So Kenya has the fastest internet advertising growth rate out of any of the territories. So the 53 countries that we look at in terms of our global entertainment and media outlook, Kenya has the fastest internet advertising growth rate, right? Part of that is also driven by the fact that they, one, it's coming off obviously a, you know, a bit of a lower base relative to other, you know, obviously more mature markets. So typically you can then obviously get faster growth, but also they've got a lot of growth still to happen in the, you know, internet penetration market within the mobile space. So obviously, as you're putting more and more people into that space and they are consuming more and more digital content, well, obviously, then the ad, you know, the ad dollars are going to are going to follow. Obviously, those eyeballs that are now finding, you know, themselves more and more online. So that's so that's one of the differences. Um, you know, if I compare that to South Africa, so Kenya's scheduled to grow at around 19.5 percent in the in the internet advertising space. South Africa will grow at around 7.4. 
but we're a much more mature market. We obviously have a lot more speed already within that space. Um, Nigeria is in between the two of us. Um, the one other sort of difference that I'd like to highlight, you know, between them, so they are all consistent in terms of its internet advertising first, followed by TV, right? The other aspect that we have within Kenya specifically, and um, you'll probably know this as well, is the radio advertising space within Kenya is particularly strong, right? Kenya has a very vibrant, very strong radio advertising market. So it is in third place, but it's almost the same as TV, right? Whereas in South Africa um, and in Nigeria, there is a bit of a gap between, you know, the spend that is happening in the TV space relative to relative to radio. So using this this sort of Kenya example, or at least the research um, findings around Kenya and radio advertising, wouldn't you say that South Africa was there because South Africa used to also have a very strong radio advertising um, space as well. In fact, in some in some ways, on the creative side of things, we we still we still are when you look at, I suppose, the awards shows and what happens there. But what I what I kind of want to kind of stick with is this idea around how, how what are you seeing in terms of, or at least predicting in terms of that growth in radio advertising, especially in Kenya, seeing as South Africa at some point was also strong in, in, in sort of radio advertising. Like, how are you, I think, how, how are you predicting that that growth will start seeing decline? Because more and more people are becoming connected, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. So from a South African perspective, we do see growth still in the radio space, right? But... Um, we don't actually see, in terms of our forecast, we don't see radio within South Africa actually recovering to its historic 2019 level, right? So we see radio by 2027 getting back to about 4 billion rand. So it's still, again, significant. And for me, it's still a very relevant, very credible part of any advertising campaign, right? Because it just, it obviously allows a different connection, you know, with your users, you know, and your consumers compared to other, you know, other, other mediums. So, so we don't see it getting back to 2019, but we do see, you know, some, some sort of steady growth, right? And then we've got it predicted around 2.5%, you know, through to, through to 2027. Um, and obviously, again, there, for companies, you know, within the space, it's going to be, well, how do I continue to, you know, to take the still substantial amount of money that is earned from radio advertising, but figure out how, you know, we see much stronger growth, for example, within the podcast advertising space, right? So podcasting is scheduled, you know, um, to go from around 157 million up to 232 million. So that's far more attractive, right? So that's about an 8.2% growth rate. But, you know, 2027, it's only 232 million compared to 4 billion from a radio perspective, right? But how do you, how do you take that growth and, you know, how do you take that, that existing money and, you know, and, and, and channel it into a higher growth, a higher growth medium? In Kenya, obviously, it's going a bit faster. Um, because because it does, as I say, it does have this, you know, this 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 historic, you know, sort of strength, you know, strength around it. So certainly it is going faster than that, you know, than that two and a half percent. But in time, uh, I think they are going to face similar, you know, sort of challenges to what we are seeing here, because as as the market matures and as you know, as you have more spend happening within that digital space, um, marketing budgets are obviously not infinite, right? So marketers and um, you know, and advertisers are going to constantly be evaluating exactly how they split that basket between the various advertising options that they have. 
just coming back to just coming back to podcast advertising and, and and podcasting i know that again during covid a lot of people a lot more podcasts were launched and a lot of people started getting into the space i mean we launched our podcast during that time as well um what have you been seeing in terms of the growth in in podcast advertising and again i want to not just you know make it more sort of generic across the African markets, but look at some of the specifics in all the sort of all the three markets, if we, if, if we can, because that, that I'm finding that to be, to be interesting because again, it's not as call it generic um, in some instances as radio, for instance, is like you have a handful of really big radio stations that serve a certain kind of content, but with podcasts, there's a, there's a bit of a long tail. Um, so what have you been seeing in terms of, I suppose, the growth coming out of COVID and looking um, ahead to 2027 in terms of the growth in, in, in sort of the various markets? Yeah, so first of all, podcast advertising and the growth that we've seen, right? So in South Africa in 2022, it was up uh, 16.4% relative to 2020, 2021, right? Um, and part of of the growth that we've seen within the podcast advertising is podcasts generally have very sticky listeners, right? If you think about radio, you know, you'll have it in the background and yes, it's certainly part of your day and you've got it in the car or whatever, but, you know, you'll engage and disengage with it obviously quite frequently throughout the day. Generally, when somebody wants to, you know, tune in to Mongezi's, you know, the lead creative podcast, they've tuned in because they've made a conscious decision that they like what you talk about and they want to listen to you. Yeah, and you've just created our ad, <laughs> just by the way. <laughs> um, but they're sticky listeners because you've actually got and access that particular piece of content, right? Um, and I think the stat, and you, you may know this better than me as well, but podcast listeners, more than 80%, right? Around 80% listen to the entire podcast, right? Um so that's so that's real engagement, right? In terms of in terms of um, users, and that's and that's something which is certainly you know continuing to drive um, the advertising revenue. And as I said, there's growth, um, but it's still you know it's still you know has a lot of critical mass. But it fits in as well very strongly with the access versus ownership, right? Radio is radio at that particular point in time, and live and live aspects certainly continue to draw audiences, right? So, you know, a lot of people say, well, are we ever going to get back to live concerts? You know, what's live sport going to be like? You know, are people going to get back to cinemas? So, you know, on some of those things, um, things have maybe taken a little bit longer, right? So in last year's outlook, we thought people, like we had, we predicted that people were going to get back to cinemas a little bit sooner than we thought. Um, that can now we're predicting that they're going to get back to sort of 2019, you know, revenue levels, but only by 2026, right? We initially thought that was going to happen around 23, 2024. Um, so people are getting back. Live music's, you know, back basically, you know, by next year, right? Um, so people still enjoy that, you know, still enjoy that live experience. And if we if we think about, you know, radio is obviously in that live space, but podcasts are in that sort of access space, right? That your podcast is out there, it's on a particular platform, and it's very much in line with this, you know, sort of catch-up, um, you know, behavior that a lot of people have, you know, embedded now um, in the way that we actually interact with our content. And I think that's also one of the, you know, one of the attractions as well. And radio stations, as we know, everything that's on radio, you can find on a podcast a little bit later, you know, on the radio's, you know, on the radio station site as well. Um, from a growth perspective, um, I guess you had just asked about in some of the other, some of the other territories, 
Um, so from a um, podcast advertising, yeah, it's really small um, in the other. So we don't, on, in respect to some of the data, we don't, we don't, um, it's not always available, right, in all of the markets, right? So Kenya, for example, we don't, we don't actually have available sort of podcast advertising data. Um, from a from a Nigeria perspective, um, it is it is growing. Um, it's currently sitting at around a million a million dollars, one two million dollars. It's forecast to you know to move to about three million dollars, but you know that's still a fraction, right? Of um, obviously of what we're seeing from an overall sort of radio space within 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 Nigeria, which is sitting at around forty two million dollars. So so it's growing. Um, but of a really small base, right? Uh, it doesn't yet have, I suppose, a little bit of the critical mass that we are seeing from an SA, from an SA perspective. Okay, okay. No, I, th- I think that uh, I think that's a, that, that that's great to know, especially just looking at where sort of spend is going and how it's being it's being spread from traditional to other to other platforms and and i suppose as podcasts grow and as more and more brands warm up to them it's likely that the spend will also um will also grow as well there um was the rapid rise of streaming that we are seeing in south africa nigeria and kenya predictable because again i mean you spoke about you know you spoke about the predictions around the decline of traditional media did you foresee that streaming would become this popular in these markets so quickly? Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, streaming is our fastest growing segment in South Africa in terms of our forecast period now, right? So forecast is greater around 12%. Obviously, there's some sub-segments, you know, within some of the other categories. But as an overall sort of category, streaming is, you know, is the fastest growing, um, which... Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe that is a little bit unexpected, Right. However, when we start to unpack some of the things that we are seeing around the globe, um, I was I was interested, for example, that Netflix didn't launch an ad-supported tier in South Africa, right? Because I would have thought, well, ad-supported tier would make sense, right? And I would have thought it would have made sense in in every sort of more developing market, because you know one of the challenges that we have, you know, based on that disposable income that I spoke about earlier, is that people will pay for access but don't necessarily have, you know. Um, the remaining disposable income to spend on the content. So they'll find the content, you know, in some other, you know, in some other way. Um, so I would have thought, you know, and one of the attractions obviously of having an ad supported tier is that, well, I'm now not dealing with you, Mongezi, as the individual. I'm now dealing with the advertiser, which is a much smaller population for me to actually gather my money from, right? As opposed to dealing with, you know, millions of individual subscribers. So I was quite surprised, but there is still growth in the subscription space within Africa because there are, you know, there are people who obviously, you know, are doing well. Yes, there's cost of living crisis, but you've also got people who, you know, who also may be pivoting, right, from maybe other, you know, more traditional, more expensive options to say, well, actually, I'm happy just to have, you know, a streaming, a streaming option at a cheaper price and I'm happy to subscribe to it. Um, so when I look at some of those dynamics um, and what's happened, obviously COVID was very good for streaming, Right. When you then look at the cost of living crisis, it actually also helps with streaming because many of those streaming options are cheaper than maybe some of your other traditional options. So when I then look at all those factors, um, as well as the fact that there is this increasing reliance that's now happening on advertising, given that you know maybe some of the some of the other subscription-based options are under pressure, when I then take all of those factors into account, then I think that sort of fastest growth, you know, in the streaming space does make sense, right? Um, 
you know, and uh, and so that twelve percent will see will see streaming ads, you know, around around three point three billion rand right over the forecast period. The fastest growing element within that is ad supported right um, video on demand, and that's probably the most common question that that people speak to me about is around you know what are your thoughts, what are your predictions around ad supported um, video on demand. And it's and it's and it's highly topical because companies are having to figure out where they sort of reach that happy medium in terms of a hybrid subscription versus advertise you know advertising business model. If you're enjoying the Lead Creative, please share this episode with your network and hit follow or subscribe. Enjoy the show. Are you able to? Are you able to 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 almost? I suppose research or find information around around how the sh- around the shift in spend because in terms of um to streaming or at least in relation to streaming because what I've noticed anecdotally is that as more and more people watch streaming platforms I'm seeing more and more product placements on some of the on some of the content that I watch on Netflix for instance are there is there any research or are there any thoughts around how that's going to change or increase? Because to your point, um, some people will want an ad supported, uh, ad supported sort of streaming subscription. Most people won't, and that's kind of what we've been seeing historically. Where if you are able to sign up or subscribe to a platform that excludes ads or that doesn't um, bring ads, bring you ads then you're able to, you, you're, you're more likely to pay more to avoid ads. Is there, are there any changes that you're seeing in terms of how spend is being now put in product placement on some of the platforms that don't have advertising? Yeah, so I think it comes back to that overall sort of discussion that we were having earlier around, you know, companies are having to relook at all these options. So when you look at the when you look at the theme for our outlook this year, right, and this is you know from a global perspective, um, but which fits equally well within our you know within our African context, it was around resetting expectations, right. So certainly given the current you know economic you know and world economic conditions and events etc., um, growth has slowed, right. So companies are going to need to reset you know expectations. Secondly, it was about refocusing inwards, right? So really understanding what your sort of key creative drivers are within a business. And then the third element was recharging growth, which is now, you know, as I spoke about earlier, how do you take this existing sort of revenue pots that you have and figure out how you put them into, you know, into higher growth, higher growth um, segments. So even in a even in a subscription, you know, based model, those companies, as we saw, Netflix pivoted. Why? Because Netflix wasn't doing so well, right? They were under massive financial pressure. So Netflix needed to decide, well, how do we actually arrest this, right? You know, how do we actually get to the point that we can pivot our business model, given that we're seeing stagnation? How do we pivot into saying, well, actually advertising is still, you know, attractive, you know, attractive to um, to some consumers who want to add, you know, who want to access the content and they're happy to consume those ads. But at the same time, it doesn't mean within the subscription space, exactly to your point, that you're not going to have product pattern, like product placement, you know, and some more sort of elements of native advertising within within that existing content, right? I think everybody is exploring these options as to how you can, you know, diversify and enhance um, and be more creative around your own revenue streams to actually, you know, continue to do that. Um, 
I think it ties in as well a little bit, right? I mean, you and I were obviously sitting on that panel a little while ago with Level Lion, right? Um, and, um, you know, we were talking a little bit about um, influencers, right? Now, if we think, you know, clever product placement within, within you know, content um, sort of adds a personal element to it as well, right, in terms of that particular product placement as well. So I think people are also looking to say, well, you know, we can, we can actually have a, a subtle influencer type, you know, type approach then within that content as well. So I think it's driven from commercial. It's also driven in terms of trying to be creative from an advertising uh, perspective as well. There are also some aspects that we haven't seen um, data for, especially in the African in the African context. How has how have platforms like the metaverse, or how has the metaverse, or even Threads in African markets changed the game, or changed anything at all? Because looking at what the metaverse has been in South Africa, it looks like it seems to have been a bit of a flash in the pan. So has threads in some ways. I have, however, seen brands that have had ads and and, and I think products and, and placements in the metaverse. How is this, how has this sort of changed the scene or affected things positively or negatively in the African, in the African context? Yeah, so the metaverse is an interesting one. Um, and we've been tracking the metaverse now in the last two publications, right? So this is our second, you know, second um, instance of that. And together with the metaverse, we were looking at um, actual sort of spend from an NFT perspective. Now, if we think about NFTs, you know, and that concept of having, you know, unique digital ownership, right, around, you know, around those NFTs, there was a lot of hype around this, right, if we think about people owning, and there was some huge, huge, huge amounts of money that were paid you know, for art, pe- you know, art pieces, I'm thinking of that people, um, you know, art piece that uh, I think was short was like millions and millions of dollars, right? Um, and people have owned various bits of digital content. We've seen now recently in a, in a Sotheby's auction, trying to actually auction off some of those NFT pieces, um, more than, you know, more than 60%, um, I think it was even higher, 64 out of the 68 items that were on auction, um, they didn't. They didn't attract you know anywhere near the anticipated value in terms of what they were actually being auctioned for. So I think you know from an NFT perspective, if we look at our personal you know in terms of the spend that we track, um, the spend has come down right from twenty from twenty twenty to twenty twenty one into twenty twenty two. We've actually seen that that you know actual spend from an NFT perspective has come down. We're not. 100% sure exactly where that's going to end up, right? So, I mean, if you look at our, if you look at our predictions, we have sort of a, a core base where we do anticipate that there is going to be some growth um, and then both an upside and a, you know, and a downside. Um, and part of that is around NFTs, obviously a bit of an enabler in the metaverse space, but the metaverse is also going to be an enabler within the NFT space, right? So it's a bit of a chicken and an egg. A little bit of what we've seen, for example, in the virtual reality, you know, space as well, right? You've obviously got companies that have done a lot, you know, with your with your VR goggles. Um, you know, do you see that real sort of development in the, you know, in the tech and the hardware space before you get the applicable content, or does the content follow the hardware, you know, etc.? Um, you know, I think we're really going to have to watch quite carefully, you know, over the over the coming, you know, over the coming years, to exactly where you know where the metaverse does end up. There's been some pain, right, within the metaverse. Um, if we look at, uh, 
if we look at some of the results coming out of some of the big players um, globally, um, Meta Reality Labs lost around $14 billion in 2022. Uh, we heard obviously about the layoffs that were happening um, on the Meta side, also on the Microsoft side um, within the within their alt space VR metaverse platform platform as well, um, which they closed. So I don't think it's all plain sailing to your point, right? I think there are applications to it, certainly. Um, we saw the gaming space being one of the first uh, participants that sort of took this up during COVID, right? So we had uh, DJ Travis performing on the Minecraft, you know, sort of metaverse stage when he actually delivered a concert, you know, in that space. And, and there were a lot of people that attended. So you can certainly see the potential applications, but, you know, again, um, people are going to vote with their feet like we've seen with digital downloads. And, you know, is that, is that experience credible enough um, or does it become credible enough once we've made further, you know, advances in terms of other complementary technologies in terms of your augmented reality, you know, your VR headsets and something which then sort of actually transports you into a, into a different sort of realm. Um, I think the sports space is going to be quite active in this, you know, in this area as well, right? Is there going to be the ability in a smart stadium at some point in the future to be attending virtually, but you actually get an experience which almost suggests that you're closer than the people sitting on the stands, right? So um, I think it's a very interesting space to watch over the, you know, over the coming over the coming years. Um, but we're not seeing that we're not seeing that sort of definitive growth, um, you know, at the moment in terms of our our forecasts. The report also says um, it is expected that a cookie-less environment will provide opportunities for retail networks. Can you unpack what that means and the trends that you've seen there? Yeah, so the cookie-less environment obviously is around, you know, in simple terms, obviously the tracking, right? Um, and the ability, obviously, for, you know, for advertisers to obviously track, you know, particularly individuals. And that's why we see, you know, ads following us around um, on the various websites that we end up on. Um, so a cookie-less environment, obviously, you know, and already now we've seen now you've got to, you know, obviously be accepting your cookies, et cetera. So there's a lot more sort of opt-in type, you know, type, you know, type approach. Um, the removal of that then means that uh, those platforms that have their own sort of first party data, which a retail, you know, network may have, depending on what touch points they have with the consumer, that then becomes something which, you know, is worth, is worth more um, at that point because, you know, other parties that may have then tracked it via, via the third-party cookies now don't have that, you know, don't have that option anymore, right? So suddenly the retail network is now in charge of its, of its own data, for lack of a better word. And so uh, that, has, that has, you know, that has implications, um, obviously, for, you know, for advertisers. And there are ways, you know, I know there's talk around, you know, your sort of data rooms and things where you can still sort of access some of that data, but on an, on, you know, on an anonymous basis that you can still sort of, you know, be understanding what the trends are, et cetera, that you can still sort of, you know, try to deliver, obviously, that addressable advertising. But, um, you know, you won't necessarily have it as directly as you've had, you know, as you've had in the past. So having that first party data, I think, is really what that, you know, what that statement is around um, in terms of the fact that you would then have... I think what could be, you know, more unique data that allows you to, you know, interact more effectively with your consumers. Charles, um, thanks so much for making, yeah, for making the time. It was really great. Um, I have to, I also have to process a lot of this and I think we'll all have to continually process all of this 
I think for me particularly, one of the biggest things is that now excess Trump's ownership more than anything and that people are just are more and more in it for excess. And I think one of the things that I'm that has has been coming up time and time again is that there's so much content to consume that we don't have the space to store it. And actually half the time if if it's if it lives somewhere you don't necessarily have to you don't need it uh to be on your particular device. So we have a tradition on the show where we um ask our guests a question for someone that for someone whose work they either follow, admire or whatever it is. Um you know that um that that um, that you do with I suppose with people that whose work resonates with you. <clears throat> And really, the question is, if you could ask any person in the world whose work you follow and admire about their approach to marketing, creativity, or their creative approach to work and life, who would it be and what would you ask them? So that's a great, yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. Um, look, I think for me, for me at the moment, there's obviously been a very recent um, Development, and I think it's all still, you know, so new that we don't really have, you know, a massive amount of, you know, sort of background, etc. Right? But there's obviously been the recent uh, development now with Sam Altman, right, in terms of leaving, you know, OpenAI, and I think now finding himself across on the on the Microsoft side. Um, we track, obviously, or we have started, you know, now the first year now talking a little bit about generative AI. Um, in terms of our outlook and there are obviously a lot of applications within the addressable advertising space within the content creation space etc so i would be very interested given obviously that i love research and forecasts you know and things like that i'd be very interested to understand his perspective as to exactly what the potential and the power and the impact of generative ai could be on marketing and advertising um, because for me he would be somebody that would be know, you know, or would know what's around the next corner, which you know some of us don't even know about. Um, so that would be a, I suppose, you know, in your in your world, a bit of an exclusive scoop, right? In terms of uh, you know exclusive news. So I would I would I would find that a really interesting conversation to have with Sam Altman on that. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks so much, Charles. I think, yeah, that, that would be an interesting, yeah, an interesting answer to get, um, out of him because once again, te technology and creativity are finding themselves at very interesting intersections a lot of the time. And we are now talking about what's arts, what's, you know, what's creativity really when, um, AI comes into play? Is it the human touch? Is it the human insights? And and all of these questions are still really up in the air. Charles, thanks so much for making the time. It was a really great conversation. It's been fantastic to chat. Thanks, Mungizi. Thank you for listening to The Lead Creative. Did you get one insight that's worth sharing from this episode? Please share it with your network or your friends. Pop me some of your ideas and innovative finds on Twitter, on at Mongesi. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find me on mongesi.com.